Hello there, and thank you for downloading the latest episode in the Expat Chit Chat podcast series. Today, we are hitting some of the big ones. We're going to go straight in on Brexit. We're going to have a little chat about Trump. We're also going to talk about some of the struggles we've had as expats with the language, and of course, that beautiful German invention, beer. Let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Expat Chit Chat podcast. I'm Paul Hughes, uh, hailing from Swindon, living in Germany, and this podcast is kind of all around our experiences as expats, and I drafted in two other fellow expats that live here in Germany, Mr. James Johnson. Where are you from, James? Manchester, England. Rubbish place, and uh, <laughs> the writer behind Oh God, My Wife is German, and uh, whereabouts do you hail from? I'm from Portland, Oregon. Which sounds a lot nicer than Manchester. <laughs> shit uh, so we kind of just chat here about things that have happened to us in our expat lives. Uh, this isn't ever intended to be a slight on our home country. We all love it here in Germany. But as always, you know, when you're living in a foreign country, things aren't the same as what you're used to. And here is where we just chat about some of those nuances. So over the last six months or so, um, we've had some interesting experiences. And I think we're going to start with uh, OGM here because you've had a big one. Not only did you move from Portland, Oregon to Germany, but you've actually now moved within Germany as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we, I moved over here in uh, 2012, so it's been five years, just over the five-year mark. And um, my wife and I had an apartment in the Zutstadt, you know, not, not too far from um, the Agidi Endorplatz, kind of heart and center of, of Hanover and near the Altstadt. And uh, then we moved into a house a little further out in one of the suburbs, and we, just, we were renting that. And then we bought a house. Uh, even further out in the Speckgürtel, as they say. I think that means like the fat belt around the city. Okay. So when you buy a house, though, is it? did you buy it under your wife's name? Did you buy it together? How does that whole thing work? Both of our names are on it, but she did absolutely everything. Standard um, marriage procedure. And you speak German <laughs> as well, so you were just lazy. Yeah, super lazy and super clueless. They don't teach you these um, uh, real estate specific terms at the Volkshochschule, you know what I mean? I was pretty lost for a lot of it, but the, like the, the we had to speak to a lawyer and he kind of tested me a little bit to see where I was at because he had to make sure that I understood what I was signing. And so I think I BSed my way through that okay and then just shut my yap the rest of the time, let my wife do the talking. I still rent here in uh, in Wiesbaden and uh, it started off really nice. Like I love living in Wiesbaden, um, but the apartment, because we live in a block with like, 30 other apartments there just seems to always be somebody renovating and it drives me mad that there's always banging and clanking and people ripping out kitchens and it seems like every day somebody else is doing something different i thought you moved uh, to bielefeld or is that just like a connections there or something no that's where my wife's from okay originally uh we visit up there every so often but we don't um we don't live there and james do you live in the same place you always lived in from when you came yeah <clears throat> yeah pretty much so i moved here 11 months ago so we're kind of staying in the same apartment for a little while we were waiting to see what my missus was doing with the job and where she was going to find a job and it looks like she's found one in cologne so we'll probably stay here i quite like it we're in the 
we're in a nice part of the city. We've kind of got lucky. We're in the rich, posh area of Cologne, but neither of us is rich or posh. We've just kind of <laughs> snuck under the radar as the two little <laughs> Azzies that live in the apartment that people look out the window. Oh, that's not too bad. And, you, and obviously, you, you lived in Germany 11 months and you already speak German. I've lived here nearly four years and I don't speak <laughs> hardly a word. <laughs> no, but when we've spoken in the past, we've spoken about the, the different needs, different musts, kind of... It was never that essential for you, whereas for me, it was kind of something that I felt I really had to do. And I'm, I'm so British, I couldn't sit in my girlfriend's parents' front room and have them speak English to me. It was like, look, <laughs> I, I would learn a whole language to not put someone else out of their way. You know what I mean? I didn't like when people would, uh, it's, when I was in, like, when you, like, are with hanging out with Germans, especially your, your own age, you know, and everyone has to switch into English for you. It's just so embarrassing. I just feel so stupid. I got sick of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. I started getting embarrassed, but I got over it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like after a while, you've gone past care and you've gone past the embarrassment of not being able to speak German. Yeah. How, how is your German now, by the way? Because you, you did decide to learn a little bit for a while. Well, the problem is, and yeah, I did. I went back to, so I, so far I've done two lots of like one month classes because that's the thing with me is either it's all or nothing. And my wife's like, oh, if you just sat at home and practiced, you'd be fine. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. But if you give me a course and I've got a class to go to every single day at a certain time, then I'll be there and I'm committed. And so I signed up for one of these integration courses uh, about six months ago and I'm still on the waiting list and I know that you know there's uh, a lot of refugees that came to to Germany so there's only a finite amount of German instruction places and I'm still on the waiting list for one of them it's been six months and apparently I'm not going to get on one until like April um, so for so for the moment my German just carries on sucking but like OGM you just passed an integration course haven't you that was um, like in the first within the first three years i had to to, to extend my visa I, you know i took it really seriously because i was just terrified of uh, any complications I, you know i, I really love germany and i, and I want to be with my wife and that was it was just so important to, i was driven by fear is what i'm saying i was terrified so i did really well whereas normally i might have been a more of a slacker um, like how was the rest of your class? Did they share it, your enthusiasm or your uh, or your drive? God, no. Most of them were, um, <laughs> if not, it, most of them. It was not. It was right before the massive Syrian influx. So most of the other people in my class were they were coming out of uh, Afghanistan and um, Iran and a couple other places, and they. They had to take the class, and the class was like 20 euros for them. So what they, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them did not take it very seriously, which drove me bonkers because I was sitting here sweating bullets, you know, because I had three years to pass this thing in order to uh, to stay here. Um, yeah, it was – if you – for anybody out there that's listening, if you, if you want to pass the B1 exam, the integration course Paul's talking about, Take it seriously. Do your homework, and you want it. It's going to happen. It's not a problem at all. I don't, people are terrified. I was terrified of it until I got there. You know. But the the guys in your class, they were just like, uh, they didn't care at all, did they? Really? I, I got that impression. No, no. You know, it was it was weird. I I was one of the older people, and I'm not that old. I'm in my like late mid well late thirties now, but at the time it was mid thirties, 
they were younger and a lot of talking in class and um, not just just screwing around, distracting. And the teachers were super pissed. I was apparently in like the worst class that uh, the folks at Shula had ever seen. And uh, it was by far the worst educational experience in my life. I mean, I, I was just pissed off every day that I had to go there. And it was not pleasant at all. And But since then, I've gone to like the buildings fine, which is a nice school for super fast learning usually for people young people who want to go on to like uh university here and um a couple other private schools i've tried so there are lots of options thankfully see i didn't do any classes at all i i learned i learned everything at home i had the best part of 10 hours worth of one-on-one lessons when i still lived in manchester and since then everything has just been self-learning and or talking to people i did that whole month without speaking english which most people don't really i'm a freelancer so most people don't quite have the luxury of being able to do that but i've never i've never been reliant on a class for it to happen so if you are a independent learner listening to this it's just as easy to learn it at home if you really want to do it you don't have to wait till april for a course if that's not the thing that fits you either you can get stuck in on your own yeah, I think that does depend on your level of um, dedi- or not not even dedication, but your self motivation. Like, if you're a really self motivated individual, then I don't think you find it a problem. But if you're like uh, me, <laughs> then you're not going to get anywhere trying yeah. to learn from home. But I've definitely found the same that the the level of education between classes is really different. There's some people that are German teachers because they literally cannot find a single other thing to do with their life and they hate it every single day yeah. and then there's others yeah. that it's an absolute joy to try and teach and they they seem to, i've never met an average one i've either met a really good one or a terrible one exactly totally and I, I can't there's like no higher crime to me than a terrible teacher who confuses and and puts their students back a step you know what i mean by just being awful or apathetic or confusing oh my god I've written blog posts about that, just ranting about bad teachers and then praising the really good ones, you know? Yeah, I've I've not met too many of them. And that's, I guess, that's what worried me as well. Like, because you could pay a few thousand euros out of your own pocket if you want to go and do one of these classes. But if you you, um, do it through the Volkshochschule and it's an integrations course through the government, it's like 600 euros and that will get you to B1. Um, And it's probably going to take you around a year of classes three times a week three hours a night uh in order to get up to that uh, that level but it yeah. took, cost me like 250 pounds or what th- around 300 euros and six months i want to say i think that was the same for me too yeah because uh when you have a, a german spouse you you're in a different uh category than like an asylum seeker you know Exactly. You can speak at home. You can have conversation practice when you want, even if it's frustrating for your missus at the time. But you can you can force her. You, she subject, subjects you to the relationship, so you can subject her to Germany. <laughs> but I always get that as well. People will ask my wife. They'll say, so why don't you teach him German or why don't you speak German at home? And she's like, well, twofold. Like, you know, I'm not a teacher. Um, I don't have, you know, have to try and keep my student in line and make him learn stuff uh, and secondly we both speak english you know it's, it's just yeah. easier that's uh i run into that a lot about people kind of like when they hear that i my wife and i speak english at home they roll their eyes and like oh you know like that and uh it's, it's like dude that's english is why we're together it's we, because she 
was able to speak my language. That's how we got together. That's how we fell in love. That That's the most efficient and comfortable way to communicate. And that's, and like you were talking about the dynamic, like your, your spouse, male, male or female is not a teacher, not your teacher. Mm. And uh, the dynamic between <laughs> partners is totally different. You can piss each other off. You can be like, honey, I already know that. God damn it. You know, can we move on? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just different. And people who don't, are not in an, uh, international relationship like this or multinational they're never going to understand why we do this why we stay in our, our native tongue you know and do you not find that people look and sound different when they speak a different language to what you used to hearing them to like my girlfriend's like i still love it a bit but they're still like it's like we're different people when we speak a different language you slip into a different set of habits and different yeah, intonation and i'm way nicer in german like ungodly sweet <laughs> is, is that because the Germans don't have sarcasm, so your number one weapon has been taken away from you? I th I think it's because I'm so um, self-conscious when I speak it, you know, that I'm yeah. – everyone else has this power, this superpower that I'm struggling to get. So they already have my respect, although it's unfounded. You know what I mean? Get what you and mean. I, I completely agree with that because when I first um, started dating my – my wife, she was an intern at a German company in the UK. And I mean, sounds a bit pervy because it's an intern, but she's like 30, uh, 33 now. But German school system's completely different. So she was an intern at the age of like 27 and I was like 31. Um, but she was like this really hot, intern who um fumbled over english and that was like really adorable and cute and she used to try and explain these things and it was like really like i don't know it was just like really cute super sexy and then when we came to germany um i visited her one weekend and she was just completely other person like this dominant like confident woman who's just doing all this um you know taking charge of all these situations like she drove on the roads completely different like completely not timid and i just looked at her and i was like whoa <laughs> like completely different person so you're not a feminist then you're like a girl that's under the thumb oh <laughs> uh, well no i didn't mean now. i was so upset when i came back and she was an independent woman she had a job she could drive <laughs> yeah i nearly broke up with her on the spot yeah no, but now, like here, she earns, literally she earns twice as much um, as I do now. It's, like, it's her career that we're probably going to end up following wherever we go next. Yeah, um, same, same for me. Trophy husbands, let's be honest. Yeah, trophy yeah. Husbands. But like a crappy third place participation trophy husband. <laughs> Paul has got the award for best personality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, like I will learn German when my course comes in um, and I will be dedicated and focused but until then I just I find it um, a bit tough to be honest. What level are you at now? Um, so I am certified as A2 um, So you can, but, do, you can do basic stuff, you can, you can get by without dying. I can get around, I, I say that uh, my level of German is transactional German, so if I want to get somewhere, if I want to order something if I want to know a specific piece of information about you I can recover that like oh hey what's the weather like today I can understand that I can do that transaction but if I say what's the weather like in today and they start telling me about a hurricane that happened three years ago no idea because that's not the end of the transaction that I'm expecting <laughs> what's your uh, your level James so I'm kind of mid C1 now oh. so I'm not like I, I, I can speak German to a really high level I still like no one would ever mistake me for a German but I can pretty much talk about anything now. 
People you... barely mistake you for an Englishman. That's because I'm massive and good looking and not like a little fat hobbit like you, pal. So <laughs> that means with C1, if I don't know if you're certified or not, but you could attend German university, right? Like they would let you in at that level, even if yeah, you didn't study. Much, I, I, I mean, I've never looked, but I imagine so. Like when I say I'm high C1, like my spoken is mid C1. I don't do much reading or. Yeah, reading in German, pretty much. I'm writing in German, sorry, because I do all that through English for my work. So mm-hmm. I've kind of, those bits have been lagging behind. So I guess if it was all lectures and stuff, I'd be fine. But when it comes to like written exams and stuff, it'd fall behind. Yeah. I can re- I can read German pretty well because um, on Netflix, we'll put the uh, German subtitles on everything we watch. So I can uh, make it out. It, it really helped, actually. helped me see the structure of yeah. um of, yeah. of how german is structured where they move the verbs to the end and stuff um not it hasn't helped me conversationally but it's just helped me recognize a, a pattern if that makes sense one thing i did want to uh mention is that um obviously when we record in the podcast i used to always like, have a beer or a, a glass of wine with me just to um yeah, complete the evening. Actually, I think I heard you pouring a beer as I started recording this, James. Is that right, or am I wrong? No, I am drinking Ja Natulisches Mineralwasser. I am too. Fucking two guys. One of the best drinks. I love sparkling water. Everyone back home hates it. It's the best thing to have. Do you, yeah, I, no. When I, I first got here, I hated it. Yeah, me too. But now I can't drink anything else. It's like on a cold, on a hot day, a cold glass of sparkling mineral water is heaven on the palate. But I think before it was like you were expecting that hint of sugar, like this from a Sprite or a Coke or something. So like natural mineral water was horrible. But now I can't drink tap water. Yeah, I'd wake up every day to a cold liter of uh, the really strong, the classic style, you know, the really strong uh, carbonate. And... uh, but I remember, like, in 2011, I visited my – she was my girlfriend then, my, who's now my wife. And we went to Berlin, and we were just drinking a lot. You know, we were younger back then, and um, I would wake up hungover, and the only thing we had to drink was mineral water. And it, it tasted awfully goddamn good at 3 a.m. when I can't sleep. <laughs> See, that's flat. the time I can't drink it. If I'm, like, if I'm parched, like, if my mouth's dry and I'm hungover and I'm hating my life, sparkling water, that's the only time I can't drink it. Yeah. I've heard that too. People feel like it doesn't hydrate them. <clears throat> no, I love it. And my wife can't figure out how I can drink it so fast. The only real problem I've got with it is that, you know, I've got perfectly healthy tap water that I can fill up with a glass from my kitchen, or I have to lug six 1.5 liters, which is then, I guess, nine kilograms like of water in one in each hand like twice a week because the amount of water we go through so it's like i've got this perfectly readily accessible supply of water yeah i'm like dragging my water two kilometers down the road from the the supermarket it's cheaper than a gym membership pal it's true but i'm still fat so it's not really i, I, uh... I, I didn't want to say that i, I didn't want to go there but now you've mentioned it <laughs> <laughs> just because like and, and people that don't know James, I've never seen a picture of him, which is probably everybody. Um, he's a big strapping rugby player, northern tough lad. Um, he looks a little bit like you've been set on fire and put out with a spade, but you're still like this big strapping <laughs> British some, lad. Some so. people would say a young Ben Affleck, but you know, <laughs> each to their own. If anybody's listening, I was at first confused by this north-south England thing that they flip, they're flipping each other's shit back and forth. It was all new to me, but I really enjoy it. It's because anywhere <laughs> south of Stoke is France, so Paul is technically from North Paris. 
<laughs> it gets further north every time you say it. I'm sure it does. It's because we want less southerners. That's what it is. Just get rid of all of the bastards. Just get gone. And also for the, the the whole European things that a lot of people seem to be fascinated by Brexit is that um, a lot of Northerners voted to leave Europe, whereas like uh, more Southerners voted to remain as well. So Northerners, as well as being um, stupid, they're incredibly selfish and don't care about the British economy. So is that true though? No, probably not. I have no scientific evidence to back that up. <laughs> I, I was about to say because that's definitely not how that went down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably, like, probably made that up. <laughs> even a tiny bit. <laughs> That's like yeah. trying to say there's a north-south divide on Trump voters. It's like completely not true. <laughs> yeah, it was all the rich toffs down south going over. We don't want those poor people. Then bloody Romanians coming over and screaming our toilets. Yes, oh my golly gosh, they might take our taxes. <laughs> so yeah, but but do you not? Um, do you do either? Do you get asked that, James, a lot about Brexit? Like every German I have a conversation with wants to talk about Brexit. All the time, like, so what do you think of Brexit? I go, well, I live in Germany, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, though, I met the craziest person the other day. <clears throat> he was, what do you got? He's English, he lives out here as a mechanic. But he voted for Brexit and then got his German citizenship two weeks later. What an arsehole. That's like a big two fingers to everybody that's going to be <laughs> screwed over by it. It is. It's, yeah, he just he hates everyone, but then wants to live a nice, cushy life in the EU. I had a guy, I had a friend who said um, that he wants to retire to France and he voted for Brexit. And I'm like, but why did you do that? You're not going to be able to do that in France. Of course I'll be able to do that. I'm like, but why would you harm your chances by voting for Brexit and then saying you want to retire to France? This makes zero sense. It's been, I yeah, it's been... just all expats were against it, you know, because they don't want to lose their home connections. And I, I will be completely honest with you. And I said this on a, I was on a podcast f about Brexit. So I was a, like a contributing person of somebody who's based in the EU um, and talking about Brexit. And I said the same thing when I was living in my hometown in Swindon, which is a, a tiny little non-aspirational town um, in the UK, that I probably would have voted to leave the European Union because I didn't have a good enough understanding of what Europe did for us but now like having lived in in the netherlands and lived in a major city like frankfurt and now here i am in wiesbaden i think that i understand more and i actually identify more with being european than i do british right now um and so it's kind of changed my mind but back then i probably would have been one of these oh well, we don't need them and end up regretting it at some point i'm sure like, i completely understand how the vote happened and how it came to be that we're not in your own that we're on the way to leaving europe so like I'm not really, like, if you've got nothing and you're given an opportunity to improve upon nothing, then you've got to take it because the worst thing you're left with is nothing, which you've already got. So I completely understand how it came to pass. It doesn't mean I agree with it, but I'm also like, well, I can understand people's thinking. Right. Did, your, did your dad vote for it? My dad was living in Brunei at the time, so no, he didn't. Okay, so yeah, my all my family and friends um, voted for Brexit, and even to to the point where my brother voted um, to leave, and I was like, "You voted to leave the European Union?" I said, "You're a car salesman. Like, <laughs> if if the economy goes to shit, you're one of the first industries hit. You're not a recession-proof industry." And he's like, "Yeah, we are." I was like, "What? You're mental." If 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 the, the economy goes to crap, nobody is walking into a Lexus dealership and buying a Lexus. They're going to go, oh, well, I better save on, hang on to that money. Like, you've literally, of all the people that should be voting for Europe, it's like anybody involved in the car sector. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll still have BMW, won't we, British Motor Works? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, so AGM, so let's talk about Trump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice smooth segue there Paul you've got experience in this haven't you yeah. well I get the best of both worlds because I work with the Americans so either Germans are talking to me about Brexit or to them about Trump it's uh, it's always the same conversations that's, that's like the only word that can send my blood pressure instantly up to like stroke levels just bang you know I, I kind of avoid the news whenever I can but I, I'm sort of irresistibly drawn to it but Anyway, yeah, so if everybody's asking you guys about Brexit, everybody, absolutely everyone I walk across asks me about Trump or they want to just, a lot of them just want to hear themselves talk about how crazy he is and <laughs> all that stuff, you know what I mean? They're not, I haven't found too many people who are super interested in my opinion, but before the election, they seemed to enjoy my absolute confidence that he was going to lose because that's what we were all told. You know, I was like, don't, uh, it's a joke. It, he's a, it's a show, it's just a show. Don't worry about it. Don't, it's not even close. And, uh, and then we, here we are. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was working for the Americans as a radio broadcaster um, and I could see it. I could see it coming. I was like, no, he's, he's going to do this. You, the, the American people or the, the media are vilifying him enough and all it's doing is strengthening his base, um, and I think he's going to end up doing it. And then, lo and behold, I actually was one of the uh, the first people to announce to the Americans living here in Germany that Trump had won. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> this, this the guy saw that you saw through the all the surveys. You know, the people who were afraid, I guess, to admit that they were going to vote for him. I don't know how the surveys were so wrong. The polls, you know what I mean? You saw through all that stuff, huh? The yeah, guy well, creates Dilbert. Uh, predicted it the day he started running for office. So, what did you go? The first time he declared his interest to do it, Scott Adams is the guy who does the Gil- Dilbert comics and stuff. And yeah. on his blog, he came out and said it straight away and turned out to be right. And he predicted everything that was going to happen and just figured it all out from the moment that it happened. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a soothsayer. I knew, you know, I had pretty much a 50 50 chance of being right or wrong, but I could just tell that the way that um, they were vilifying Trump was just going to mobilize his, his base and mobilize those people that didn't like Hillary Clinton to almost take like a revenge vote, like a bit, a bit like Brexit, I think. Yeah, I like, no, yeah. I can see this happening. I can see it being made true by the... Have you ever heard of the philosophy like, um, as I say, it's like, don't think of a pink elephant. Right. And in order to not think of a pink elephant, you have to first think of it. So in order to say, you know, don't vote for Trump. So in order to not vote for Trump, you've got to first think about voting for Trump. And it's, it's that kind of mindset with the, the, the amount of don'ts that are out there. We're just going to be ignored eventually or, or overheard, you know. Yeah. My, mom, my mother called it also. Uh, she was just like, she said, she just kept saying, there's, just, there's so much hate. There's just so much hate, you know, especially at those political rallies when they were campaigning. And... Um, She's kind of the sky is always falling type personality, so eventually she's going to be right. But she was right about this one, <laughs> sadly, unfortunately. Yeah. But I was, I was, I started to. We, I can't believe we managed to get to Trump uh, from the what we were talking about with drinking water, because um, I was just going to start talking about the fact that I was drinking a nice beer now, but like an alcohol-free beer. Uh, and I was going to ask your thoughts on alcohol-free beer. James, I already know you think that I'm like wearing a pink tutu and <laughs> cashed in my man card. But uh, have you? what do you think of alcohol-free beer? 
I mean, the reason I drink the beer is for the alcohol, pal. It's not because it's a, <laughs> it's not because it's a lovely, refreshing thing to have in my breakfast. It's that, well, I've got problems. I need to bury them. Let's let's get open the keg. <laughs> That's true. Uh, OGM, your thoughts on uh, alcohol-free beer? You know, I uh, shit. I tried it in the states, and it had almost as many calories as the alcohol without any benefit. So I scrapped that. But you know, honestly, since uh, July 30th, I stopped drinking. Um, but I say that in quotes because uh, there've been like three occasions where it was sort of expected, and I don't want everybody to make a fuss about it and trying to buy non-alcoholic beer for me. But um, for special occasions, I'll still get tanked, absolutely. But <laughs> <laughs> well, because like, the reason mainly I asked, so I, I had um, Stoptober, um, and obviously okay. living here, German beer is amazing, German wine is great. And I like to drink it. And I say, oh, I'm going to have to stop for, for October. I need to take, I need some time to myself because I got absolutely hammered one day. And you know, when you wake up with one of those hangovers, I'm never drinking again. Right. It just, just happened to coincide with Stoptober. So I was like, okay, Stoptober, I'm going to stop drinking. So we went and bought like a, a car boot full of uh, alcohol-free beer. And I tell you what, it is pretty good. There is very little to difference to tell. I mean, you can still tell the difference, but of course, you know, Germans have to do everything to do with beer fantastically well. And this is one of those things. If you've never had like a German Weizen, uh, alcohol-free, and you just like, you don't want to get drunk one night, but you still want a beer, highly recommend it. Have you tried like the Rattler and Alster and the weird mixtures that are really low alcohol content? Rattlers are gorgeous. That's, they, the, I, that's like a, I think in England we call them a shandy, right? Yeah, shandy. Yeah, it's a shandy. I'll tell you what is nice is the fast fast browser that they make, the lemon beer that's not beer. Okay, I don't know it's, that. It's, I don't know whether it's just a corn thing or what because all like the Kolsch breweries do them. But there's a, what you got, it's like, it's like a lemon beer that's not beer. So it's brewed in the same way as beer would be but using lemons or however it works out. And it's gorgeous because it's about a tenth of the calories of a beer. Oh, it's really it's not, nice. Is it a, is it a Cologne thing? Because I know beers here in Germany are like really regional. If I said, "Oh, have you had a Schlappersepel?" You'd be like, "What? I've never heard of it." Because it's like Cologne's too far north for it, or something. It's like everything's really regional. I've seen a couple of other brands doing it, so not just the not just the Cologne ones, but it may be kind of a local thing. I don't know. And you're in Hanover, uh, OGM, right? Yeah. So we've got. Um... The, well, the Einbeck Brewery is not too far away, and we've got our own brewery here. And uh, but uh, you'll see signs everywhere for Gilda Ratzkeller. Are you familiar with that one? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's big here. Hefferoda. At Hesseroda. No, I have uh, I have no idea um, about those ones. And like I say, I think maybe that's because everything is really, really regional when it comes to to beer in a in a really good way. Like you can go to Lidl here and you can buy wine and you can buy beer that's travelled like no more than thirty kilometres to get on the shelves of the store. It's not like um, when you go to like Tesco's in the in the UK where it's just crates of Fosters or. Budweiser or Stella there's nothing local in any of the supermarkets like that but here there's a, a real focus on that and I think that's great have you guys are you familiar with I think it's pronounced Foxa it's the the big Viking cans they're coming out of uh Foxa brewery it's Danish and they have one that's 10 percent alcohol oh my and, god uh, yeah so you're drinking a, a liter of 
Well, like almost wine. That used to be my favorite. My that was my mo. <laughs> that sounds like something you drink on a park bench and wake up in the morning on said parked bench. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's totally a. <laughs> it's really all back, Mosa. That's great. Well, what I would suggest, gents, is that you both uh, pull yourselves out a, uh, a Faxa, enjoy that, um, and next week we will be back to have a chat about a little bit about kind of our hometowns and what's happened there, because I'd like to know a little bit about Hanover, I'd like to know a little bit about Cologne, and I'll tell everybody a little bit about Frankfurt and Wiesbaden. Until then, thanks ever so much for listening. Thank you, James. Thanks, OGM, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Thank you. Cheers. Stop.